0: Welcome to Listening to Paint Drive with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike, and thank you so much for joining us on our continued quest to become better, braver, happier painters. So this episode is super late, not just in the context that it's been about a month since we've had an episode out, but it's also late because I actually recorded this interview with Lila Mev prior to going to ReaperCon. So my heartfelt apologies to Lila and to our listeners. Hopefully we're back on track now. Uh, No real excuses, just, you know, life kind of got in the way. So I apologize. But the good news is that we have a lot of great content that is all getting ready to finally come out. And it starts today with a fantastic interview with the wonderfully talented Lila Mev, the Mini Witch. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. You
0: know, it's, a, uh, it's always a, a thrill for me to get to meet people from the YouTube world of, of miniature painting um, that really do fantastic videos like yourself. And uh, I, first off, to start, I want to say thank you for your contribution to the community. I feel like you've really um, become a, a star of the community and a lot of people are learning from you and that's awesome.
1: Well, thank you very kindly. That means so much to me.
0: Um, you know, it's all uh, the, this is an interesting community in that there are so, there are a lot of people that make money off of it, but everybody answers questions and always, you know, so it's, it's been kind of neat watching the way it's evolved. Um, so to start out, let's ask this question of you. How did you get started in miniature painting?
1: Well, actually I got started into miniature painting in a very way that's different than how most people got into miniature painting. Um, I started out wanting to sculpt and paint ball jointed dolls for my graduate school thesis, and I was absolutely terrible at it. Um, But at that same time, my husband had convinced me to try Dungeons and Dragons, and I was very reluctant to do so because I thought that it was lame and uh, fought him for several months before I finally accepted that I would appease him and try at least one session of Dungeons and Dragons. And then I completely fell in love with it and play it every weekend. And when I don't get to play it, I'm rather heartbroken about it. But anyway, since I had all of these tiny paintbrushes and all of the supplies that I needed to do ball-jointed dolls, I figured that I might as well use all of those supplies and try painting miniatures instead. And I completely fell in love with that. And I definitely never expected it to take up as much time of my life as it does. Um, But I am absolutely thrilled that this is where my life has taken me. It's been a surprise, but I'm very happy about where I've ended up.
0: So that's interesting. You were making ball-jointed dolls for your thesis?
1: Yes, for 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 grad school. What Mm -hmm. were
0: you, you if you don't mind me asking, what were you in graduate school for?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's a very important part of how I got to where I am. So I went to graduate school for photography. I got my master's of fine art in photography. Uh, the master's is the terminant degree for this field. So that means that I can be a college professor.
0: Oh, nice. Now, did you teach photography for a while?
1: I taught for a very limited amount of time. I've been an adjunct for just a handful of classes, unfortunately. Uh, the dream was to go to grad school, get my master's, and then go off into the world and teach photography. And you know what? There's not a lot of positions for that. Um, You know, not a lot of people are hiring for that, oddly enough. And so I was not able to get the adjunct places that I wanted unless I was willing to move. And I was not willing to move. So I looked into where I could teach elsewhere and I gave a few individual lessons for photography and then decided that I was pretty damn good at this mini painting stuff and there weren't that many mini painters teaching on YouTube so I I could probably do that and so (laughs) that's how I ended up on YouTube was basically I couldn't teach photography but I had this very strong drive to teach people and just decided that I would try my hand at teaching miniature painting instead.
0: Now what made you decide when when you were looking at the brushes and stuff and you said hey you know what I could also paint miniatures what kind of made you decide to say you know what I want to keep pushing it and go to the next level and make my minis like the best, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, I think that since I started with miniature painting at such a different place than most people, I didn't really have a next level. I just started painting. Like the first thing that I painted had object source lighting in it. And I didn't even know what object source lighting was. It was just that this character was holding a flaming skull and there would reflections in his armor like it was that simple. I didn't come in with this predetermined idea of object source lighting is difficult or nonmetallic metallic metal is difficult it was just, well this is what it would realistically be so this is how I'm going to paint it. Yeah,
0: that, that makes sense and I, I'm, I'm wondering, um, I know we're steering a little bit away from the questions but this is fascinating. Uh, I
1: apologize. <laughs>
0: no, no, you're no don't apologize for that this is great. Um, so. Besides, obviously, in the context of being able to take great photos of your minis, um, has understanding of light and shadow from photography helped your miniature
1: painting? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, Beyond just photography helping my miniature painting, actually retouching has really helped my miniature painting. I ran a freelance studio for over a decade doing weddings and senior portraits. And all of the glamour editing that I had to do and understanding how to make people look the best, how to work with my dramatic lighting and achieve the lighting that I wanted in the studio has all really helped me understand how to paint miniatures. For example, painting the face, it's basically contouring. I mean, I'm a girl, so I know contouring even more, but it's the same steps that you would take in retouching to make someone look good that you do when you're painting miniatures.
0: Well, that's really cool. That's, uh, I'm actually sitting uh, with, I can now, now I'm blanking on a uh, I think it's James Gurney' Light and, Light and Shadow book. Um, it's a photography slash fantasy art book. Uh, it's that, that, that actually I'm like that you making like oh my goodness I got to pick that up again. I haven't I haven't read that in a couple of weeks. <laughs>
1: yes, uh, as a as a as a photographer, lighting was always one of my specialties. I was doing very dramatic things with five different lights and things like that. So lighting came very natural to me, and it definitely helped me with my miniature painting
0: one of the things I found interesting in reading some photography books, um, and maybe you could kind of confirm this for me, is that the, when they talk about uh, the shadows on things like the face, that actually the shadows on the face are more reflective of the color environment around it, as opposed to the light on the face. Um, am I reading that correctly when I read the photography books? When it like, So like in somebody's shadows, you'll see more of like, if they're wearing a purple hood, you'll see it more in the shadow than you would in the light reflection.
1: It doesn't particularly matter if it's shadow or not, but if it is reflecting. So if you have a light falling directly on you, the light isn't reflecting onto you. Well, most likely the light is being put straight upon you. But other areas that where the light is reflecting, whether or not that be in the shadows, or if you have a reflector dish or other things like that to bounce light onto the subject, whatever color is around it will transfer onto the subject. So for example, uh, the, this is why... This is why reflectors are usually silver or white because if you did a green reflector, you would reflect a green light onto the subject.
0: Well, that makes sense. That makes sense for sure. Um, so, as you're uh, painting along and uh, learning more about painting miniatures, has there been uh, a technique or uh, a concept that that you've kind of struggled with, and if so, how did you get past that?
1: The technique that took me the longest to learn was wet blending. But now it is an absolute staple in my mini painting arsenal. I do the majority of my painting and wet blending and have to actively remember not to do wet blending because <laughs> that's not what the majority of my audience does. And if I want to be able to teach in a way that's an... If I want to teach in a way that's digestible to my students and viewers, I can't do the easiest, more advanced technique to me. Mm-hmm. But so once I figured out how to do wet blending, this whole like new door opened up to me specifically with how fast I could paint.
0: Yeah. It's an, it's amazing. It's something that I still struggle with. I know a lot of people talk about non-metallic metals and uh, even OSL, um, which I think there are very, very few painters. Like there are amazing uh, tons of amazing NMM painters, but there are very few good OSL painters. Um, And so um, wet blending has Kind of been my uh, my devil's bane myself, so I could feel your, feel your pain there. Um, can you throw Can you throw out a tip for us if we're trying to learn wet blending?
1: <laughs> oh, totally! I was actually giving a private lesson, and my student wanted to learn about wet blending, and I was telling him how to do it, and it just wasn't working. And I was watching him, thinking, I don't understand why this isn't working for you, and so I did wet blending on my own. And I really thought about what angle is the brush at? How hard am I pushing? And really trying to dissect how I was doing it so that I could better teach my students. And I realized that the secret to wet blending is using more of the belly of your brush to blend and not using the tip of your brush to blend. If you use the tip, you're more likely to get those painterly strokes. Whereas if you use the belly of the brush, it's actually going to blend out a lot smoother.
0: All right, I'm gonna make sure that I write that down after I, while I'm editing this. <laughs> I appreciate it, thank you very much.
1: It inspired um, the, uh, the miniature painting secrets revealed video that I did, mm-hmm. uh, which was like my breakout video, but I just sat down and thought about all of the techniques and really breaking them down and thinking, am I explaining this in the easiest way possible for someone who doesn't know anything to be able to come and pick up all of these techniques?
0: You know, for people like me with no art back on, we, we certainly appreciate it. And I think I'm sure people with art backgrounds do as well. But thank you <laughs> for doing stuff like that. Um, so the, kind of along that same lines, I take it that because now you've had to dissect the way you paint, has making these videos and doing private lessons and teaching, has that actually improved your painting?
1: I don't know if YouTube or teaching has directly improved my painting. I know that it has improved my teaching, but I have an innate drive to be really good and like the best at anything that I do. Um, So if I wasn't good at miniature painting, I wouldn't do it. So I'm always striving to be the best. Like I've unfortunately never entered a competition. It just hasn't lined up between the pandemic and everything else because I haven't really been painting for that long. Um, But so like if I'm entering a competition, I'm entering to win. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I will, but I am always trying to be the best and looking at other painters and dissecting their work and trying to figure out how I can improve my own work. So it's more of a internal competition. Well, and maybe an external competition too, but I'm um, an yeah. internal competition to try to improve my work.
0: It's a competition. So it's not like, I always have this Dan and I battle about this all the time. And, you know, why enter to lose, right? You know, like you all, you don't enter to lose, you enter to win. And if you don't, you understand and learn from it. But you don't enter to lose, you know? (laughs) So I totally respect your honesty about that for sure.
1: It really depends on person to person because I did a video a while ago about how you need to understand the reason why you paint. And If you paint for tabletop standard, if you paint because you want to play Warhammer, then it really doesn't matter how amazing your paint is. And are you putting unrealistic and unneeded expectations on yourself when you're painting? However, if you're like me and have a healthy attitude towards it, then go ahead and paint to win. That's one of the reasons I actually picked up miniature painting and put down photography. I had a very negative viewpoint for photography if a photo shoot didn't go well i was completely distraught and asked myself why does anyone bother to hire me why do i bother to do this i've gone to school for eight years and this is where i'm at whereas with miniature painting if i mess up i just sort of put it down and sit back and think well time to strip and start again i guess and i don't know why that mentality is so different between the two but having that mentality that if I mess up, it's okay. The next one is going to be even better. And that's what allows me to have this healthy appreciation or this healthy drive for competing.
0: Maybe let's talk a little bit more about the channel. I know being now, the podcast is about a year and a half old now, and I go back and listen to the first couple of episodes and I want to Put my head through the wall, because uh, I how, how they sound now, where I am now. Are there videos that that you have that you're like, you know, I need to re-record those, or you know, like stuff? Because I know in the pro- my process, so it's definitely not just a, a th- throwing you out there. That I know there's so many episodes I want to go back and like, oh, that that was terrible. And uh, if if Shoshi Bauer ever listens to these, I, I have to I, like I try to apologize for that first interview just because of how bad I was.
1: (laughs) When I first started YouTube, I was terrible. Well, I wasn't terrible, but my audio was terrible. And you would think as a photographer, my color would be accurate, and it wasn't. And I was recording with the internal microphone to my digital camera and recording, uh, painting the models with my phone. And a quick shout out to, uh, agent Escher and atomic for supporting me on Patreon for God only knows what fucking reason, because I was awful, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, my, uh, two first patrons who have been with me this whole time. And I, and I've asked them, I'm like, why, what did you see in me? I was so bad. Why, why did you support me even way back then? And, uh. Actually, Atomic hasn't answered, but Agent Escher <laughs> explained that uh, it was because of the art that I bring. It was the the different viewpoint that I brought to miniature painting since I'm approaching it as an artist and not approaching it as a gamer. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so there are uh, plenty of videos. There are videos that are like six months old that I look back at and think, oh, for the love of God, why did people sponsor me? Like <laughs> my, my content is good, but my execution is wanting. So there are, uh, plenty of videos. My, one of my most popular, most watched videos, the audio is terrible because I hadn't learned, uh, Adobe audition yet. And so it was just straight from the mic to YouTube. And, uh, Uh, everyone who has stuck with me and listens to those videos uh you're the real champs uh for being there this whole time and waiting till i figured it out
0: yeah and we we get a lot of people loved our Jack the Ripper episode and I, I hate it. I've, I've listened to it. I've tried to see what people hear in it. And I'm like, oh my God, I hate this thing so much, you know, but it's one of our, it's one of our most popular episodes, you know, maybe it's the whole artists are the hardest critic on themselves, right? You know, <laughs> maybe mm-hmm. that's what part of the problem is. Is there a, a technique that you found that was difficult to translate to video? Um, like something that you wanted to teach that it was a challenge to kind of create the video for it.
1: As I talked about earlier, the bigger problem is not so much is there a technique that doesn't translate, but just the way that I paint is rather difficult to translate because as I said, the wet blending is my main approach. I honestly just paint. Like I don't really think about how I'm going to do layering here and stippling here. Like I just wing it and just paint and then I look back at the footage after I'm done painting it and think, "Oh my god, how am I going to make a video out of this?" like I've just I've just done so many different random techniques that I have no idea how I'm going to teach anyone. So that's why I have to that's why I have to be so conscious about okay, we're going to do layering here because people find layering a lot easier and I I love doing it. I love teaching, but I just find it so amusing because I like forget the basics. Like I forget how to do layering. <laughs> because I don't do it often enough mm-hmm. and uh, so it's not so much what technique is difficult but more that I'm difficult.
0: Oh, I got you. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. know yeah, that's that's a way to do, do it. So um, a, a few years down the road where do you see yourself? Where do you see your channel?
1: Well the dream would be to be full-time full-time YouTuber, full-time mini painter, whether that's working for studios or private lessons or whatever, that's always been the dream. You know, it used to be a, be a full-time photographer. Now it's be a full-time miniature painter. And so, uh, yes, the dream full-time miniature painter, stay at home cat mom and YouTuber is the dream, but I'm just happy to teach people. I'm growing at a pretty reasonable speed. Will I ever get to be full-time? God, I hope so. Uh, Just because I want to do this all the time. Um, But I am growing. And more importantly is when people reach out to me and tell me how much they appreciate what I am doing or that they really liked a video that I'm working on. I had someone reach out to me on Instagram this morning saying, hey, I usually don't message people at random, but I just had to let you know how much I love your stuff and you really inspire me. And I just wanted to let you know that I really appreciate everything you're doing. And I was having a hard day today and hearing that from just just randomly out of the blue is what reminds me to keep doing this because I, although I love miniature painting, I actually don't really like YouTubing, like the whole, there's this, there's like a hobby within YouTubing to Mm -hmm. do the analytics and the algorithm and like that is a necessary beast for what I do but it's nice to be reminded that all of the effort that I put into making YouTube work is worth it so in the future I would love to be producing my own models even if it's just one or two that's something that I really want to do because there are there, there's representation that I want mm-hmm. in the miniature world that is not there currently. That's another one of the reasons I started doing YouTube was not only because as an artist, I was going to come at this with a very different perspective, but also as a woman, I was going to come at it as a very different perspective. I had not heard of Dana Howell when I started this. I hadn't right. heard of a lot of miniature painters on YouTube. I thought there were like three and therefore I could make it two because you know, I only, there was only miniac and Squidmar. There wasn't that much competition for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to come in and be a woman in this hobby. And I would love to produce models for women in this hobby. And I'm not saying like beefcake models, but just realistic women would be nice, right. like shot put size track athletes or like Olympic bodybuilders or, you know, something beyond just the uh big butt small waist and big boobs would be uh wonderful so i would love to do that uh i i don't even know where to start when it comes to that but that is the dream so full time youtuber stay at home cat mom producing miniatures
0: <laughs> fantastic that's awesome now and you know and that's one of the things i always find interesting too um is the world of 3d printing um I'm seeing, uh, like, I guess I'm trying to, because I absolutely am right there with you, absolutely, totally about representation, you know, because I'm not, uh, I'm not a beefcake barbarian by myself, you know, like, <laughs> like <laughs> the Conan doesn't look like me. Um, and so, like, there's not a lot of dad bod models out there. Um, and so I think that, I think, plus I'm also the mindset that more minis better, right? The more minis are out there, the better everything is. Um, but do you think that that world is somewhat changing now in the world of 3D printing? Because um, I've even noticed, like, uh, there, I, I can't think of the guy who sculpted it, but there was this, uh, he did, a, there is a Viking bather painting, who is a a, a a larger woman. Um, and I had never, like, I was like, wow, they're finally, you know, there's an example of like, you know, different shape sized woman. Um, that's not just the kingdom death pinup, you know.
1: Is that the one where she's standing in water and holding the helmet?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, Actually, the person who commissioned that sculpt wants to send me one.
0: Yeah. Okay. That would be awesome to see (laughs) what you do with that.
1: Yeah. I was very, definitely very excited for that. I love that piece. Yeah. Just because it's, it's different. It's real. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a lot more like. Art And although mm-hmm. I love painting 28 millimeter, 32, 75 and bust just have a special place in my heart because they're more like art and execution of skill and putting in the thought process of what color contrast I'm going to use and I'm going to use uh, red or I'm yeah. color contrast that I'm going to use and like, I'm going to add blush on her because it's cold where she is so her nose is slightly turned red and her ears are also red because of the cold wind and but her lips are blue because again the chill and like you can put so much more thought and effort into the larger models than you can in the smaller models so I love approaching miniature I love approaching miniatures like art so uh yeah I'm all for those uh bigger models (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, and that's uh, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I feel like over time, as my not only as I'm getting older, my eyes are getting worse, but there's so much more of a canvas with a 75 millimeter figure or a 54 millimeter figure, and so it's so much more interesting. Um, to, I don't know. I'm I'm I myself am moving away from gaming miniatures to painting. More of those style miniatures as well, so I can appreciate what, what you're saying. Um, so usually I'll ask this question towards the end of an interview, but I'm going to throw it in here because it makes more of sense. Then okay, but so, I
1: actually didn't answer your previous question. I was going to segue back around.
0: You were going to segue back around. Okay, I'm segueing back
1: around. Wait All a right. minute.
0: <laughs> my bad. My bad. I got us derailed there for a second. It's, Sorry.
1: Excuse me, sir. <laughs> the question I haven't answered.
0: <laughs> Please go right
1: ahead. To segue back to your original question, 3D printing has had a big impact on the miniature painting world. Some of it has been good and some of it not so good. There is a huge opportunity for there to be more representation in miniatures. Basically anyone can sculpt. I could sculpt, I could commission someone to sculpt. I can see exactly the miniature that I want, which is really fantastic. And there are companies that I know are now in business because of 3D printing, because of the popularity of 3D printing where they can sell STLs that might not sell as well just because of the subject matter. So I think that overall 3D printing is a fantastic thing to happen to the hobby. And I know that when I start printing models, I have no doubt that 3D printing will absolutely be a key part of it. I will probably sell STL files to whatever I end up designing however many years down the line. So I think that 3D printing has and will hopefully even more so continue to have a big impact on the representation in miniature painting.
0: Awesome. You know, and I'm, I'm an Etsy addict. I don't have a printer myself, but I sit there on Etsy, like I type in resin miniatures and then, I'm, you know, there's the rabbit hole um, for me. And I've noticed that we're getting more and more, more and more, uh, I don't know, I, I just, I always the the... I, I feel like if you love art, then the basic, basis of art to me is kind of diversity um, and seeing different, like not only different shapes, sizes of everything in the world from people to animals, to structures, to everything, but different wh- the different way that people see colors is amazing too. I, it's just always interesting to me. Um, my wife and I see color very, very different. Right. Like we can't agree on like when we're trying to paint the house, we're like, oh, that's blue. No, it's gray. No, it's blue. You know, it's gray. And so just like kind of the just the concept of of those things is just I I just always feel that art is the one thing that should be easy to represent everybody more. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if if that makes sense. I don't.
1: Know. I, no it does. No, <laughs> I'm
0: just
1: When right I behind. released when I released my we need better miniatures video, mm-hmm. um I got a lot of hate which is what I expected. It was a video about how I basically I wanted to see more realistic and better clad women miniatures and I got a lot of hate for it. That which, sucks. You know, that that's a thing. I did not get nearly as much hate as I was expecting. I was like preparing to bunker down, like ready for like hell to rain down. And it didn't. And and that went extremely well overall. (laughs) But anyway, the amount of people who were so offended and upset that I so politely asked for more options. I didn't say don't paint sexy models. The flower witch from Kingdom Death is the model that got me into painting and if mm-hmm. you don't know the model she is she has huge boobs wasp waist she, you can't even see her face because it's covered by a mask like she's just this babelicious gorgeous fairy <laughs> and i saw that model and said holy shit i want to do that mm-hmm. but so i could not understand the amount of people who were absolutely livid that i dared to request more models
0: ignore haters man. that's uh that's always the, the, the number one thing is ignore them because honestly if you're not doing something right then nobody pays attention to you so if people are hating on you that's probably means you're doing something right you know what I mean
1: <laughs> yeah when when people would say that uh if you're so upset about it go start your own kickstarter and go start your own miniature painting line if it if you're that offended, and I would reply with, "Wow, thank you so much for showing your support." As soon as I launch my Kickstarter, I'll be sure to send it to you, and I look forward to receiving your monetary donation since you are so excited for me to start my own model line. Right. Thank you so much. I am mm-hmm. just like the queen of patronizing, of being like too nice, too fault. Right. and like so that uh, mm. my husband had to hold me back right. a lot. <laughs> I think I only I only replied to like three people. Mm-hmm. But every time I replied was just like, I'm too fucking nice to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I want to jump in and, and I, I coach, uh, I have a part-time job coaching debate. So I'm like, I want to jump right in and start arguing with these people. But, uh, yeah, for sure. I think that me, it just means you're doing something right. When people are trolling you, you know, how, ha- how dare you ask for, uh, a better uh, selection of minis. And I, 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 I'm I, always interested, too, to look to see what these people have demanded from Games Workshop, right? Like they've said, oh, you know, we want this model to come out or we want the rules to be this way. And it will be like, how dare you tell them what you want? Start your own game, you know, like <laughs> go create and build your own game, you know? But yeah. what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So along that same line then, And it doesn't have to be like the question I typically ask towards the end, but I'm going to ask it now because it kind of fits perfectly with this. Is there maybe a model or a character from a book or any form of genre or medium that you would be interested in seeing appear in miniature form and painting it? I always use the the Stephen King Dark Tower series characters as my example. Um, I know I'm jumping ahead on the questions. I apologize, but it just seemed to fit so perfectly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, I am pleased to say that with the advent of 3D printing, there are more well-clad women models. So mm-hmm. I, I am thrilled. Uh, actually, the most recent Age of Sigmar, well, maybe not most recent, the most recent Age of Sigmar release to me, I was pleased to see that the uh, women armor was better. They didn't have like separate boob cups. Like it was like a, a slight uh, curvature mm-hmm. just to like hint that they were women. And right. I said, you know what? I accept that. That is progress. I am happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we could still do better, but there has been progress and I am pleased. Mm-hmm. Um, But so beyond just more badass women models, which is what I would focus on, um, I would want to see androgynous models and then uh, plus size models. Mm -hmm. Again, I talked about this a bit earlier with wanting to see like Olympic shot putters or Olympic weightlifters or just Mm -hmm. like even the models that are better are still conventionally attractive and now that that's bad I mean that makes sense I also want to paint a pretty face but I feel like there's the stereotype that plays into miniature painting which is uh, bad guys are ugly and then the good guys are attractive and so if we could have some like average people that would be cool but more so I would just like to see like they're supposed to be heroic. They're supposed to be badass and awesome and gorgeous. And I totally get that. But could we add on like an extra 20 or 30 pounds or like, mm-hmm. do their boobs need to be out? Do they all need to be like G cups? Or can we have like an A cup? Or maybe, maybe you can't tell. Is it a man or is it a woman? I'm not sure. They're a fae. Who the fuck knows? The fae do whatever the fae, fuck the fae want. Right. Like, uh, So that's the sort of things that I would be looking for is I, I would want to sort of play with stereotypes and break stereotypes and just, yeah, put things on their head, how they're not supposed to be. and like <laughs> really sexy vampire who's like 50 pounds overweight. that's what I want to see.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah that's, I, that's no, I, I I'd, paint, I'd paint that figure <laughs> I'd paint that figure for sure. Have you ever um, heard of the comic book The Max? I have not. Okay. Um, Yeah, there there actually is an artist. This is an older series, but they um, wanted to kind of defy the stereotype of uh, the female in uh, the comic book world and also the male superhero version. And so basically the story is a homeless guy thinks he's a superhero may actually be one but we're not a hunt you never get quite the answer that whether or not he actually is a superhero and he's supposed to be rescuing his social worker who is heavier probably 20 30 pounds overweight not your stereotypical uh main female character in a comic book um and she of course winds up saving him most of the time because that's the way the story winds up working but um yeah it might be something I'll have to say I'll send you a link to some of the stuff that they have because it actually is that's the other one that I've I actually have played a little bit with sculpting um and, and uh so I'm trying to like figure out if there's a way I could do a little diorama with him and her kind of in the in the thing so but I'm just I'm to say i played around with sculpting, I've drawn some circles and boxes and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, <laughs> just getting started. Uh, but that might be a storyline or a comic book that you might be interested in. Um, because I, that one always, I haven't read it in 15, 20 years and it all it's it stuck in my head um, as kind of being different. So, I
1: appreciate the advice. I will have to look into it.
0: Let me ask you this then. The, the complete change of course, because I, I do want to always want to ask this. Where do you get, Um, your inspiration for a project?
1: Where do I get my inspiration for a project? It depends on the project. Um, If I'm painting something for YouTube and I have a specific skill that I want to paint, I usually think about what is the best way that I can demonstrate whatever skill I am working on. Mm -hmm. Um, If it is, if I'm being sponsored for a video and this is the model I have to paint, then I look on Pinterest or Instagram or wherever, and try to look at other artists' work. Uh, Peter Morbacker is my absolute favorite. His use of color is just amazing, and so I look at other people's other people's artwork. I look at actual. Well, I don't want to start that argument. I look at. Uh, <laughs> we're not. I'm not going to start that. I look at other mediums of painting and mm-hmm. how they portray subjects and then take the colors from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I get inspired a lot by art history and mythology. Um, there is a painting by Caravaggio from the Baroque period. Uh, the Baroque period is my absolute favorite. Chiaroscuro lighting to die for. Highly recommend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's Judith and Halef- Judith and Halefranes Mm -hmm. But basically, uh, it is a woman cutting the man's head off in a painting. And I'm like that, that's inspiring, because that's (laughs) something that you don't see painted in whatever century this is occurring in. But so I find a lot of my inspiration from art history and art movements. The video that I'm releasing this week is inspired by impressionism and I am teaching people how to use impressionism in their miniature painting basically to say that you don't need to paint all of the tiny details you only need to paint enough for your viewer to be able to connect the dots and figure out what you're trying to paint. so I guess I get inspiration from everywhere I sort of like went around your question and danced around it but didn't actually answer it uh because the answer (laughs) is, is that I get inspiration all over the place
0: all over the place okay so then talk to me about a Lila project how that kind of works differently than a YouTube project
1: absolutely so the bane of my existence with YouTube other than audio is time which is why I would love to go full time I would Love to be able to dedicate more time to YouTube. Four videos a month instead of three would be fantastic. It will also help the algorithm, but that's just a bonus. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would love to have more time to dedicate to YouTube and Lila Mev and teaching. Mm -hmm. But I need to paint within a certain time frame. And for YouTube, it's usually like three weeks, which maybe to some people sounds like a lot. But to me is... Not always enough, especially since I like to do bigger projects. Um, But so I usually start out with a digital mock-up where I paint my scene digitally uh, using Procreate on the iPad so I can see all of the colors that I want. And I'm thinking about things like, um, what color is the light? What is the mood or atmosphere that I want in this piece? What does that mood or atmosphere say? If I'm thinking that I want to have like a purple light from one side, then I should use a greenish light from the other because that will be complementary colors. And so I have a lot deeper thought process that goes into my projects, as well as I am an absolute perfectionist and I will do all of the little tiny details. Like I painted a miniature recently and uh, she has these ovals on her armor. And I was just going to leave them. I'm like, nah, they could be gems. They could be rivets. I don't want to deal with it. And I showed it to someone else and they said, aren't, aren't you going to paint those, those little ovals? Those are gems. And I'm like, I don't have time. And they said, the Lila we know would make time because the Lila we know goes above and beyond in every single project and makes every project the best she, she can make it. And they were right. <laughs> so... Um, When I am working on myself, I am thinking about, like I said, all the different color contrasts, all the different strings that I can pull from. Um, Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of artwork based on religion, which, you know, we're not going to get into. But a lot of my photography work had a lot of religious symbolism in it. Mm -hmm. And although I can't quite get that with miniature painting, because most miniature painting you know, aren't sculpted with that in mind. Right. But those are still colors and symbolisms and things like that, that I'm thinking about pulling into my miniature painting. Mm-hmm. So I, when it's my own piece, I dig down to the depths of art history and all of the things that I could be referencing from how I apply the paint to what colors I'm using um, to how much, you know, do I want to put freehand in? Is there weathering involved? What's the story to this? And it's just a lot bigger of a process because i'm i do like a little world within this miniature and so Mm -hmm. it takes a lot more time it takes a lot more mental effort and i'm considering basically everything if you look at a model i've done like a big project i've done Mm -hmm. i have considered probably everything like why did why did you paint this bust with a gold chain instead of a silver chain for the necklace oh, well, the, I could use the magenta that I had in the cloak and pull it into the shadows of the gold. And therefore, the gold necklace would be more harmonious mm-hmm. than a silver necklace. Like, I think about all of that.
0: Jeez, Wow. That is is a huge process for sure. If If... I thought that way, I wouldn't get anything done. I wouldn't even get anything started. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm impressed that you can actually get a project started and finished. I can't even get it started if I go that route. (laughs) Sometimes I have to just be like, damn it, put a brush on it. You know, um, uh, so kind of along the conversation with colors and such, one of the big topics that seems to be uh, all buzz through YouTube, at least I've seen four or five different people that have done videos on it, um, are universal shade and highlight colors. And I kind of use this question to ask, are there colors that make their way to your palette um, all the time? Like I know deck tan and ice shallow just appear on my palette without me even getting them. And I wind up using them almost every project, you know? And so are there colors like that? For, for you
1: yes uh reapers brick red and golden blonde i use basically on everything mm-hmm. uh, my favorite color combination is like magenta and lime green sort of like in their complementary colors and i didn't i didn't really realize that hot pink or like the magenta spectrum was my color until someone else pointed it out to me and then I looked through all of my Instagram photos and went, wow, <laughs> they're all pink. <laughs> and so. Uh,
0: oh, that's fantastic. That, that, that's great to, that, it, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, 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 Michael Proctor from Reaper is purple. Like everything he's got is, you know, like all of his box art has a lot of purple in it. And he's like, damn it, I have a lot of purple.
1: <laughs> there are some colors or styles or things that people are just, drawn to naturally. Uh, With miniature painting, I've embraced it, but with photography, I would fight against myself because I had this style that was innate to me and I hated it. I wanted it to be different and I just could never escape myself. Mm -hmm. And with miniature painting, I have embraced what is my style, which is basically trying to paint things as realistically and detailed as I possibly can. But so not everyone develops their own style or maybe they haven't noticed it yet or maybe they're so new or don't care or whatever but if you have your own style and you're developing your own style just go with it it's not worth it to fight yourself I've like I said I've been a photographer for god how old am I almost 17 years at this point and I have the same style that I had at year two that I have now and even though I've hated it quite a bit throughout that time it, <laughs> it I just can't escape myself so the sooner that you just embrace whatever your miniature painting style is and actively choose to get better at it I had to learn how to paint pink because I was using it all the time so I better know how to paint it mm-hmm. uh, so figure out what your style is accept it, and then try to improve what your style is
0: nice that's excellent advice for sure and with that I think uh this would be a good time to do the lightning round. <laughs> just uh, basically the lightning round is just a few quick questions asking you, uh, you kind of your gut reactions to things. Uh, uh, you know, of course, take as much time as you want, but the quicker the answer, the, 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 you know, the more gut reaction it is. So
1: cats, the answer is cats,
0: cats. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what's your favorite color? Cat. Cats. You know, right? <laughs> um <laughs> All right, so let's start with the one I already when th- I, I, I gave you as an example, which is when was the last time you drank your paint water?
1: It's been quite a while. I have the paint puck uh, now, which has a uh, like ring around the cup to hold your brushes, mm-hmm. and so it would be very difficult to drink from now. I would definitely recognize that this is clearly not my paint cup. But when was the last time I dipped my paintbrush into my coffee mug? <laughs> to clean it that has happened far more frequently i think that was like last week
0: nice nice idea <laughs> yeah i switched over to mason jars like these really odd shaped mason jars in order to stop myself from picking up my paint water yeah for sure um so the second question uh the gods of the paint uh, paintbrushes have come down uh, uh, and said you may only paint with one paintbrush at what size? what size and what brand would it be
1: Oh, can I, are you sure I can't do two? Are you positive I can't do it's two? It's
0: just, you got one, just ah, one. <laughs> man, it's
1: the Winsor Newton, uh, Winsor Newton Series 7 round watercolor brush size one.
0: <laughs> size one. It's a workhorse. That is a good workhorse. You're not, uh, I, and I interviewed uh, an artist uh, yesterday, Chris uh, surhi and uh, that was the same brush, said exactly the same brush. I think this actually, since we started a lightning round, I think uh, four out of five painters have preferred Winsor Newton. Uh, so the next lightning round question, model paints, heavy body acrylics, or inks?
1: <laughs> sorry i just it's the lightning round and i sat there in silence um uh hobby paints
0: hobby paints right, well so. actually
1: my first thought was chimera and then <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fine that's a perfectly acceptable answer so and, yeah. and you've been using the chimera for a while now
1: um only a couple of weeks actually oh wow oh my god oh my god chimera so that was my very first thought and then went that doesn't actually answer the question so that was the silence wait where does chimera fall on the spectrum but so the lightning round answer is chimera uh but uh the but yes hobby paints overall
0: oh hobby paints overall excellent all right so the final one uh tmm or nmm and why
1: nmm all the way i am a control freak i'm not if i am not about to paint metallic paint and have the light shine those highlights and shadows wherever the fuck it wants i'm in control of that shit <laughs> i am not like <laughs> nice. someone else's atmosphere mess with my art so uh nmm all the way and i know that there are people who say non-metallic metal only looks good from one angle i don't i what what where are you lit by what are you lit by that the non-metallic metal doesn't look good from every angle because <laughs> Mm-hmm. My non-metallic metal looks good from every angle. So I don't know what your lighting situation is that it's not looking good for you at every angle, but it does for me.
0: Right, and it, <laughs> here, the, the killer for me with this argument is TMM and NMM are the same thing except for the base coat, right? It's basically the base coat of metallic paint versus base coat of non-metallic paint. And then you're using non-metallic paints on a metallic paint to control lights and reflections. So there's really very little difference in them. And they have the same problem that once you start adding non-metallic paints to a metallic paint, like your black inks or blue inks and and adding stuff like that, now you're taking away the value argument of the metallic paint. So it's kind of, you're trying to control the lights and shadows that way too. So it would functionally have the same problem as non-metallic metal when you turn it. No.
1: See, I think those are fighting words.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs>
1: I do not agree at all. Don't. No, okay. Okay. No, because true metallic metal paint doesn't have those alternating light and darks that you need to make it look metallic. Mm-hmm. Really, metallic paint, at least in my opinion, you know, maybe there are metallic paints that I am missing out on and that I, I could be wrong. Feel free to let me know. But the <laughs> metallic paints that I've seen are more like shiny glitter paints. Mm-hmm. Like they, the whole point of non-metallic metal is the alternation of light and dark and having the highlights that reflect from the ground underneath. And but... you don't get that with metallic paint.
0: I, I think you misunderstood me. I'm on the. Uh, you and I are on the same page. Oh, we are. Uh, yeah, we absolutely. My my argument just that every flaw that people that are into TMM say about non-metallic metal that non uh, true metallic metal has some of the same problems.
1: Ah. We are on the same page. Yes. Absolutely. I, re- I rescind my fighting words. No,
0: that, <laughs> oh no, there they are fighting words on the internet. You know, if you throw them out there in Google or something along those lines, you get some uh some strong opinions about non-metallic versus true metallic metals. But no, I I appreciate your answer because I am definitely in the non-metallic camp. Because I also hate working with metallic paints, they always look clumpy to me, and uh even when they're as smooth as butter, like the Vallejo metal color paints, which are really super smooth, I still, maybe it's psychological, I can see the the flex as opposed to being like a, a flat sheet of metal, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I when I painted my first model that used metallic paint, it was the one that I painted with object source lighting and i painted one model with metallic paint and said what the crap is this this is this isn't what i want mm-hmm. and so one model in and i went okay how do other people do this because this can't be the only way right and so like my second model was okay time to learn non metallic metal because i'm not putting up with this
0: right i agree <laughs> i agree Well, the the motto of the podcast is better, braver, happier painters. I was wondering if you could uh, give our listeners some final advice as they go on their or continue on their painting journeys.
1: If you really want to improve, you need to learn about art. You can watch plenty of YouTubers or read blogs about mini painting. But if you want to paint to display quality, you want to paint really well done miniatures, oil paint artists have been doing this for hundreds of years you do not need to reinvent the wheel because the wheel is already out there and it's called art history so if you if you want to get better go look what's already been done whether that's choosing an art movement like I said Baroque is my favorite I I saw Baroque and absolutely fell in love I had never considered Like I had learned about art history in school and it was always just this unfortunate subject that I had to put up with and then I saw Baroque and went oh my god that's an option I never thought about that just not to go down art but like renaissance era was like the calm before the storm whereas the Baroque is literally the waves are down upon us and I am (laughs) fighting for my life like and it I, it had never occurred to me that there could be that much difference in art. And so go look through an era art era timeline and see what paintings call out to you, whether that be through color scheme or their use of lights or the literal techniques that you're using. Maybe you want to do pointillism. I don't recommend it, but maybe you do. Um, but it's already been done. So go out there and look the answer is not going to be on some mini painter youtubers channel the answer is out there in the art world
0: nice thank you so much for that i really appreciate it um can you tell our listeners where to find you
1: yes you can find me on instagram at lila.mev you can find me on youtube i'm lila mev the mini witch uh you can support me on patreon which is you know my personal favorite, and join my growing community. I offer private lessons. I uh, offer a paint hangout slash live stream every other Sunday. We talk about life and painting. And my Patreon is more about building a community. Like you do get early, you do get access to early content. But really, it's about creating a community where people are welcome and about painting it's not about this is a paywall to get access to my mini painting you already get that on youtube but if you want access to me and my advice and the wonderful community that i've developed that's on patreon
0: fantastic and we'll make sure all the links are in the show notes as well so that way people can uh, uh, can can find you well lila thank you so much for joining us today um uh, it's been an honor
1: Oh, thank you. That's so sweet.
0: Dan and I would like to thank Lila for sharing her painting journey with us today. It really was a, a fantastic interview, and we enjoyed getting a chance to talk to her and learn more about her painting style and her perspective. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Also, appreciate her patience uh, because of how late this interview was. And again, a huge thank you to her for her advice on my piece that I, one of my pieces that I took the Reaper Con. You can follow Lila on Instagram at lila.mev. You can also follow her on YouTube at lila.mev, the mini witch. Even better, head over to Patreon and look for Lila Mev and see if you can uh, give her some support as she continues her painting journey. So again, Lila, thank you so much. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry on Twitter at Dry Listening. Uh, Drop us a line at listeningtopaintdry at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, You know, anything that you got on your mind about the world of miniature painting, uh, we'd love to talk to you about it. Also, we are open to critiques of the show, so feel free to let us know how we're doing. Please also like, subscribe, or follow us wherever you get your podcasts from. If you could leave us a five-star review, we'd greatly appreciate it. And any help you can spreading the word about the podcast would be joyful to Dan and I. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, We really appreciate all of you out there in the podcast world. Embrace your own style. Be the artist that you want to be. And you'll become a much better, braver, happier painter. Until next time. Listening to Paint Drive with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPDWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is death by a thousand questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share-alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.